Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Do Movies Badly, a podcast exploration of my cinematic ignorance. I am your host, Jim Rohner, and despite being an amateur film critic since 2006, I am woefully ignorant of many films, filmmakers, and genres that Consensus has deemed important, and thus I have created this podcast to document my journey into cinematic edification. At the top of every month, I choose a filmmaker or genre of which I am woefully oblivious and discuss the significance of it with guests who will then recommend me three titles most relevant to the topic, which I will then watch and report back on. This month, I'm exploring some religious horror films, and joining me to discuss are Rick Guzman and Chelsea Bennington of Spooky Doings. Hooray! Another time that I have not one, but two guests. Thank you both for joining me on this, uh, on this podcast. Thank you for having us. So excited. Glad to be here. So Spooky Doings is not just a horror-themed podcast, but is also um, an improv group, an improv group that I am proud to say I have uh, performed with from time to time. But I guess, um, which one do we want to talk about first? I guess let's talk about the podcast first. So um, a lot of horror movie podcasts out there. Why did you two decide to start Spooky Doings? And what sort of your, for people who are unfamiliar with it, what do you do with it? Um, it, it definitely bled out uh, of our friendship uh, with each other. Chelsea and I were part of a previous podcast. And then I started befriending via social media uh, some people in the horror business, uh, actors, directors, producers, and even musicians. And I thought, I want to sit in a room and I want to talk with these people. I enjoyed doing a podcast. And I'm like, Hey, Chelsea, uh, I want to start a podcast. And she said, yeah, whatever. And, 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 and it just became a thing. <laughs> and and, and uh, it, it, it certainly helps in the time of the coronavirus to stay creative since we can't perform uh, improv presently. Uh, it, if we are uh, having a guestless episode, it's basically the conversations Chelsea and I would have with each other anyway. <laughs> regarding a lot of these topics but you know i i i have my fan moments and uh i'll reach out to people and say hey you want to be on the podcast and the worst thing that's going to happen is you get no answer um sometimes it's like yeah but can't do it now mm-hmm. uh some cases like with uh, olivia jean uh, who's a great musician on Third Man Records. That took a year until we finally made it happen. Wow. And it was delightful. And then other times you get David Howard Thornton, who played Art the Clown in Terrifier, who will show up in a tiny room in Ripley Greer Studios and <laughs> talk to you and about uh, the way he scared the shit out of me just with a still photo and uh, how him and Chelsea maybe kind of indirectly might not actually sort of almost be related. <laughs> yeah when it came to starting the podcast i i wasn't you know i it's not that i wasn't excited about it i thought rick would be perfect as a as a podcast host but um jim as you mentioned there are a lot of horror movie or horror themed podcasts out there a lot that you know i listen to and i just wasn't sure you know I, where our space like i wasn't sure where we would be taking up space and 
yeah, I just wasn't sure about it. And then the more I thought about it and a couple of episodes, I was thinking, you know, this is actually a pretty good idea because Rick and I, even though we're very good friends and we've been good friends for years, um, we can be two very different people on our opinions of horror movies. And I'm looking at it, uh, obviously, from a female perspective, a lot of these films. And um, some of them, you know, I critique that way and some of them I champion that way. And it's just a nice banter that we'll have when it comes to understanding each other's perspectives on these movies. And yeah, we've met some really cool people from it. And um, one of the most recent was Olivia Jean. And uh, I was a big fan of her music beforehand. So it's definitely brought on some really good opportunities. The horror community. Oops, sorry. Go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. And even if Chelsea and I disagree on stuff, which will happen, um, we we respect each other enough that it doesn't degrade into, uh, you know, fucking vitriol and and kill our friendship. Like, you know, uh, it's yes, just like, it does. all right. <laughs> But I'm like, okay, I don't see it that way. And she's like, I don't see it. And she'll call me an idiot with a smile on her face. And I'm like, oh, we're, we're good. And I may be an idiot many, many times over. But, you know, I, I, I will revisit things that I didn't like uh, just because Chelsea really, really likes them. And I'll go, well, let me see if, if, if I've changed over the years. Because, uh, you know, back in the 80s, because I'm old, and Halloween three came out, fucking hated it. Oh yeah. But you know, years later, I watch it for the first time. Like I don't know, maybe fucking thirty years, and I'm like, you know what? This is a fine movie. It, the problem was like everybody went in expecting to see Michael Myers, and mm-hmm. you got Tom Atkins' butt, which is you know, <laughs> great butt, and, and and fun masks and a fun jingle. So if they just didn't call it Halloween 3, I think it would have been better. And, you know, same with Chelsea. She loves Jennifer's body. So I gave it, like, what's my third or fourth try, Chelsea? I think the third. third. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool, cool, liking it more this time. So I don't think I'll ever love it as much as Chelsea does, because she's got a very big head start on me. But, you know, I'm, I'm going down the same road at my own pace. Jennifer's body, a movie of which I am... Uh still woefully um oblivious that i know i know i need to see um because i really like uh karen kusama as a director so i know yeah. i have to get to that um i'll be honest my biggest thing holding me back is don't love diablo cody as a writer but i've i've been told that i should give this movie a shot so what's um i'm curious as to if there has been a a, a movie that you two have just not been able to find any middle ground on whatsoever i mean we're talking polar opposites there must be but i don't think anything sticks in our minds because if it's like well i love this movie well i don't love that movie it's like okay so let's go watch or talk about a movie <laughs> we we lo- like i think and uh and i know this this person has a special place in chelsea's heart for a def- di- very different reason why they have a special place in my heart uh, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, um, he said in a promo once uh, uh, about like you know his appeal as The Rock when he was a wrestler. It's like there are some people that like chocolate, and there are some people that like vanilla. The Rock is like pancakes, 
everybody loves pancakes. <laughs> so if, if 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 Chelsea's there saying chocolate and I'm there saying vanilla, it's just like, okay, so let's go get some motherfucking pancakes. And sometimes those motherfucking pancakes are deep blue sea. Oh, love the deep blue sea. Did you like <laughs> Rob Zombie's Halloween? Because I remember I absolutely hated that film. That might be it. Like Is I, that the one I, I fucking hate that movie. Like I, I really hate that movie. I enjoy. I mean, it 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 pales in comparison to Carpenters, of course. But if you look at the numerous Halloween movies, it's not my least favorite by any means. And I think the reason why I like it is just the set dressing, the blood. It's dingy and realistic. The blood ter- gets brown instead of saying bright red a lot of the time. So I think that's it. Am I going to, I'd never give it to anyone and say, all right, if you're going to start with Halloween, start here. No, no. Because no, no. you know it's an awful movie. Because I, I know that's the wrong door to walk through. <laughs> much, much like, for the same reason, like, I definitely suggest someone watch it before watching Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Sure. That's my least favorite. No. And even like <laughs> like before, you know, the uh, what was that? I think Resurrection, where Buster Rhymes does Kung Fu. Correct. Yeah, but like I I definitely put it beneath say four and five. Well, definitely four, maybe not. The five. fact that it's even in your ranking is disgusting. I have it's to such rank a it. bad movie. <laughs> I, uh, oh, Jim, I think we found it. We found okay. it. Okay, yeah. But I, I also have an affinity for Danny Trejo. You know, he he's everyone's Theo, in my opinion. <laughs> so it's like, uh, Danny Trejo's in it. it it's got, there's got to be something redeemable about it. Or I, in, Dan, in, in, this, in this specific realm, I got to give it to Chelsea. I find that movie completely horrible. I, I'm reminded of a, of a, a Patton Oswalt bit when he's doing an impression of George Lucas talking about the sequel or the prequel trilogies. And, uh, you know, like, oh, you love, you love Darth Vader? Well, now, now you get to see him as a little kid. And it's sort of like, oh, you love Michael Myers? Well, he was a really picked-on kid, and that's why he grew up like, oh, cry me a fucking river. Such a boring me. story. Such a yeah. boring, boring story. Anyway. anyway. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and to have the kid sitting on the curb on Halloween night while Love Hurts plays over the soundtrack, it's like, Fuck you. I, I can't. But anyway, sorry. Uh, we, we, neither of you are wrong. <laughs> um, we all have those bad movies that we love. Uh, and that's fine. I, 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 don't, I don't hate it. I don't um, champion it. Like, even the mask effects, I thought, were like, I thought the mask looked much better than, say, like the mask in part five. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. like visually, yeah, I can understand maybe not wanting uh uh Michael Myers begins uh the the fucking fucked up orderlies in the asylum. Yeah, you don't want them, but you know Roddy McDowell's good and 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 the rest of the the usual Rob Zombie players like uh what's that guy's name? The ginger fucking guy. Uh Bill Forsyth. I, I should know his name. He's he's great as an asshole fucking person. Uh, Scout Taylor Compton, I think, is fantastic. Danielle Harris still managing to play a teenager because she's all of like you know five foot nothing. 
yeah. uh, she may be uh, an actual vampire that we don't know about. <laughs> um, I'd like to interview her and find out. I mean, I'd probably be murdered shortly thereafter if I was correct. But, you know, whatever she's doing, keep doing what you're doing. You, if you found the fountain of youth, you're good. I, I don't want to be that guy, of course. Uh, be that guy. Rick meant uh, Malcolm McDowell, not Roddy McDowell. Right. Yes, you're correct. Um, though Roddy McDowell was uh, phenomenal in the original Fright Fest. Yeah, um, no, correct me when I'm wrong. <laughs> I also quite enjoyed him in, a, in Overboard, uh, a, a guilty pleasure. You, movies that you, that you love which are bad, that one is a bad movie. Um, I've kind of jettisoned the phrase guilty pleasure, and and I prefer unpopular opinions. And I've got many. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, One one thing, one final thing about Rob Zombie's Halloween before we move on to, I guess, what we're supposed to be talking about. (laughs) Right. There's also something weird about how Rob Zombie was like, hey, Danielle Harris, that kid from this one, we need to make her nude in this movie. It's like, "Mm, that doesn't sit very well with me. Yeah, Um, I get what you're saying there. But uh, Rob Zombie is a guy that I don't like any movie he's ever made, so I'm I'm going to respond uh, <laughs> viscerally to him. So I'll give him cre- I'll give him credit for taking his sequel in a wildly different direction. I can at least appreciate. That. Oh, Halloween two I did not like, but I saw what he was doing with it, and I'm like, oh th- no, this one's not good. Uh, <laughs> but as far as Danielle Harris being nude, uh, growing up in the '80s. If there's a horror movie that doesn't have nudity, I am disappointed automatically. I don't care who it is. I want to see somebody naked. And I believe in equal time. I, I'll take, you know, a swing in cock and balls for my viewing pleasure. Sure. It, I just need, I would, I want somebody naked in the horror. Doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. I'm just saying it, it's the hot sauce that I like to put on my meal. I just want okay. it there. We're we're on the record for that. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so as we said, Spooky Doings is not just a uh, a podcast, but is also a, an an improv group, which sadly has been put on hold in the pandemic because, as Rick has made public numerous times before, um, he loves us too much to uh, subject us to potentially uh, dying in a um, a sweaty basement of a bar in Midtown Manhattan because that's what is uh, is possible. But so, talk me and the viewers a little bit about spooky doings as an improv group where that idea came from and just what you two like doing with it um i came up with the idea i was part of a duo uh with a young lady and she wanted to stop doing improv and i'm like well now i don't know what to do outside of classes and mixers and performing and around the triple crown in midtown manhattan there were shows that you could just get on and it would be like random groups uh, coming together for one night uh, under a specific banner. There was an improviser named Leah Evans who put on a lot of those shows. And I saw that, you know, she could do it, so why can't I? So I didn't really look at it as a team or something that, uh, that we'd end up developing a core cast. So I'm like, what do I like that I can mix with the improv? And the first thing that came to my mind was comic books but I knew of another comic book improv show. Mm. So I'm like, I want to do something different. And I know horror improv must have been out there, but I hadn't seen it in the area. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, let me do that. And then I just started posting to these improv groups on Facebook. Going to do a horror-themed improv show. If you're interested, send me a message. And one of the first people that sent me a message was Chelsea. 
And you know, I did my usual thing. Like I have this idea and another thing that set us apart or that I wanted to put into a play that set us apart. Uh, for those that don't go or see a lot of improv, a lot of times when you're ending a scene, some people just run across the stage like a human curtain and that ends the scene. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what can we do that's different? Because when your show starting out, if you're not at one of the bigger theaters on a Saturday night, you're just going to be performing for the most part for other improvisers and maybe their friends. So <laughs> I thought, we can murder each other to edit and that'll end the scene. And then that first show, when I saw there was a red light on stage, I'm like, oh, even better gives the idea of blood. So Chelsea messages me like many other uh, people. And I, you know, kind of explain my idea and says, that sounds cool. And then I have to nerd out. It's like, all right, what are some of your favorite horror movies? And you have uh, some people that like, you know, mention some, the classics. Uh, There are some people who, okay, they're improvisers looking for stage time and a lot of their horror experience is Harry Potter. And I'm like, okay, it has elements of horror. That are you funny? We'll make it work. But Chelsea busts out Black Christmas as one of her favorites. And I'm like, oh, oh, she knows the deep cuts. This girl's no fucking joke. <laughs> and thus the seed of friendship was planted. <laughs> and since that time, uh, Chelsea has become not only one of the most important people in my life, she's, you know, I'll say infiltrate for lack of a better word because it's funny. She's she's gotten into my circle of friends and become dear close friends with them, and and, and even vice versa. Her mom will like whip my ass at Scrabble online just for the fuck of it, and <laughs> now we're entrenched. It's it's it, it, I can't imagine you know life without Chelsea at this point. That's nice. And that's all she <laughs> At least she didn't give me a bless your heart. I know. Then, I, then I know I'm fucked. Yeah, no, I was so excited uh, because, you know, I moved to New York in 2015 and I did improv in college and was trying to find my way here of being able to perform and joined that, you know, improv at NYC Improv Facebook group. And that's when I saw Rick's thing and I messaged him and, I, I was like, okay, this takes two of my favorite things, comedy and horror. Um, and yeah, it just went from there. And now like his girlfriend's one of my best friends. Like it's, it's this whole thing. It's been several years. Cause what year was that? 2016? We had our fourth anniversary show in February. So we're, 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 we're going on like four and a half years. Of knowing yeah. Each other. Yeah. It's crazy. So, but it's great. Um, we've, uh, we've, gone through a lot of changes with the show um we tried different techniques like you know um we for a while were just taking suggestions from the audience on things that scare them and that would bring quite a bit of stuff but you know people start saying the same things and that's that's to no fault of their own I mean we're all fearful of uh, the same things clowns I, spiders whatever I, I i i wanted to put a stop to that after the 2016 election yeah the suggestion we always got was trump and i'm like no i'm here to have a good time which is fair <laughs> which is no fair, it's a legitimate we fear like, mm-hmm. but like i don't wants to get up there and impersonate trump you know i don't want that motherfucker invading the fun aspect of yeah. my life. So <laughs> then we started doing the armando and i'm like who has real scary stories 
and I got very surprised who had so many people had really frightening, bordering on paranormal stories. I think you told one, Jim, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe I've told. You've told a couple, I think. I've, I've told. Yeah. I've told. Yeah, I've told a couple. Um, one of which I have to admit, I repurposed. That was a uh, my dad's uh, my dad's story, but it was still one that was um, given to me. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. If people aren't really familiar with what the Armando is, it's just kind of an improv technique process, whatever you want to call it, where there someone starts out with a story, and then just there are very short scenes which are improvised off that. Some of which are very literal, and some of which are hey, it made sense in that person's mind, so let's mm-hmm. just go with it. Right. And, and it even evolved later on. Uh, my girlfriend just said to me one morning, it's like, hey, uh, would you want to do, and she's not an improviser, she's like, would you want to do an all-lady show called Final Girl? Can you do something with that? And I said, oh, yeah, I could. Because I had taken the movie form as a class at Magnet uh, and I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll use that. We'll get all of these lady performers I know and maybe just put it out there to some that I don't or that I want to like enlist in this and our talented women, uh, and it is open to anybody that identifies as female too. Let's not uh, close that door. Uh, we'll just improvise a horror movie on the spot inspired by a title. And I thought I'm like, if only one of you is alive by the end of this, great. If not, that's fine. And there's sometimes where like everybody fucking dies, and I'm like, this is fantastic. Because uh, the, the the and the ladies worked really hard to learn that form and make it happen and do it well. And I like sitting at the back of the room just by the lights. And I'm like, oh, someone's like usually Chelsea or Katie Wiggins. I'm like, they're gonna do something fucking awesome. Just sit back here. And wait. And uh, it makes it hard to go on after that sometimes. It's like, <laughs> that doesn't fucking matter. It, 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 them doing that just makes the whole show seem better, in my opinion. And we're all there. We're all having a good time. And the ladies fucking rock it. It's also, a lot of times, uh, a lot of improv is just a whole bunch of white dudes on stage. Uh, oh, yeah. being white dude funny. <laughs> uh, you, you, you gotta have ladies out there, you know, doing their thing and, and uh, it, getting their fucking moment. Because there's been too long where ladies have not been given their fucking moment. And sometimes we just need to shut the hell up. And I realize how much I'm talking when I say that. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I can echo how awesome and fun it's been to kind of witness the, these things as the show involved, uh, has developed or, or evolved and watching people. And if it sounds like a, it's a really cool thing that you want to take part in or, or, or watch, then uh, wear a fucking mask so that this pandemic can be over sooner <laughs> rather than later is, is basically what it comes Love down it. to. Um, so I, I guess before we even get into the general topic, what is it – I'm always fascinated because I love – horror and i know kind of where that comes from with me but i mean the horror community is such a passionate and devoted community for the most part sometimes to its detriment in the sense that they can be um, a little acerbic to people who are outside or outside of consensus but and i'll start with chelsea i guess like what is about horror that draws you in that's like yeah like yeah I, i love this shit um yeah i it it's been around it's been a genre that i've loved 
since I was younger because my mom really didn't have a sensor on what I could and couldn't watch. <laughs> um, which is, which was interesting because, you know, we were a Christian family at that time. And, uh, if it had sex and such, it's like, oh, maybe not, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the horror movies, it's fine. But another thing is, um, I, I grew up really loving uh, more like gothic uh, horror with um, like, I, I would watch Dark Shadows with my mom, that old 60s uh, vampire soap opera that's fantastic. Um, and I would watch like some slasher movies uh, with her. And as I got older and I started just like renting movies at Blockbuster, the local video store and getting the screen movies, getting... Um, the ones that my mom didn't want to watch, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, and uh, like grittier ones, I guess you could say. And um, a lot of the TV shows I love have horror elements. I mean, my favorite show of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and that's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and, um, and so... It lets you know what you're doing. It, it lets right you know. <laughs> it's right there. And, um, and so... The things I really love about horror is I always love the aesthetics. I I can appreciate style over substance if the style is super fucking pretty. <laughs> like that's, that's my case. So I've always loved the aesthetics of horror and the soundtracks of horror. And um, I always loved uh, the element of the final girl and... Um, how the final girl has evolved too. It's not just always like this brunette uh you know virgin type character mm-hmm. so it's nice that it's evolved quite a bit and um i just love that horror can give such intelligent social commentaries in their stories without beating it to a pulp um <laughs> without like shoving it in your face i think there are some horror movies that unfortunately do that but the a majority of them um, can be so political and you just don't know until like as you're watching it and you think about it later. And um, fear is just such a basic human emotion and it drives a lot of what we do. I mean, we're all scared of something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I feel like that was maybe like a, vague answer but i love horror i i love you know almost everything about it and i'm just happy that it's evolving into a more progressive and inclusive state yeah absolutely and, and i mean you're seeing that with a bunch of uh horror communities that are popping up online and how much support there are for them i mean my um last month for for august my guest was terry menard who has a website called gaily dreadful which is mm-hmm. explicitly reviewing and engaging with films from the perspective of lgbtqia people um and you know there's uh there's uh, websites for black horror out there even the phenomenal documentary on shutter uh, horror noir if you haven't seen it then yeah. go rush out as soon as you possibly can so yeah there are because as Chelsea said, and as Rick has said, like everyone is afraid of something and that might be clowns or spiders, or that might be um, your insignificance as a human being, as society has told you. So um, I'm with you on that. Mr. Guzman, what about you? What is it that draw you, that draws you to the macabre? Um, it definitely started for me as a child of the eighties and VHS coming into prominence and the golden age of the slasher. It's like boogeymen are being created kind of in real time 
so they were definitely popular there was an appeal to kids uh and growing up in a catholic household um there there was something taboo about it you shouldn't be watching this uh the the nuns at school were very against it i'm like well if all my authority figures don't like it it must be cool uh it's the only place where a young person like myself could see attractive nude people because we don't we didn't all have pocket computers where we can google anything we like so i was like all right i'm going through puberty i get to see uh you know nude people in possibly wet if it's a friday the 13th movie that makes it even better and that love definitely stayed with me throughout and then in starting spooky doings then it all became like oh it's all research now uh and and an excuse to go harder into it and as streaming became uh more widely available um so like i had all of the movies that i'd loved and i watched from like say age 10 to you know age uh 40 um and now it's like all oh, all of this shit that i never got around to especially during a pandemic now i can like i haven't watched a lot of giallo movies let me do those mm-hmm. i haven't watched uh things like madman or maniac uh that are now on shutter or uh, we'll just dive in or new movies that are coming out that are more inclusive and it's like all right let's check out the new shit and so i am a little desensitized to some but when i come across one that actually scares me um i the first person i text is chelsea like hey <laughs> check this one out and she does the same for me so it, it it's it's increased it's amplified year by year by year Yeah, I I like all of us here the one thing one of the things we have in common is growing up in a a, a religious environment and so I I found that um sure the the creation's like mythology was cool and like Jesus had a lot of fun things to say but like Jesus was the first zombie but go on <laughs> um but let's get into this like no the the book of revelation with like the the devil and the the battle in heaven and stuff like I can we learn can we learn more about that Yeah. <laughs> um, and and of course the answer in my Christian school was well no. Why um, neither? <laughs> um partially because that you know the book is supposed to be allegory but also just uh I I don't know it's weird because I I've read a stat which says that um devout and faithful people are less likely to believe in ghosts and paranormal stuff even though they'll believe in angels and that's like that doesn't seem to mesh with me. Um I can well I'm coming at it from the point of an atheist that loves horror. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the paranormal. I don't believe in an afterlife. But I am highly entertained by <laughs> stories about the afterlife and the paranormal. Mm-hmm. The same way like I'm sure I could like flip through a bible and go there's something entertaining or actually good in in this particular tale of like you know judge not lest ye be judged mm-hmm. that kind of thing but you know now i can get that you know or also at the same time from the age of 10 i got the same uh proper moral guidance from like spider-man comics that i did uh 
at a private school and the Spider-Man comics cost significantly less. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's, uh, they're parables, right? I mean, I know, mm-hmm. um, you know, Scorsese, I believe, has said, I, and I can't find the quote, but I feel like I've heard it before where he says cinema are basically the parables of our day. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, it, it, t- it took a while for me to realize like, oh, morals and truth with a capital T can come from non-Christian people as well. So like, okay, that was a step to opening up my mind to like, maybe we're not the gatekeepers of all this yeah. stuff. Um, but, uh, and I guess once again, we'll start with Chelsea on this one. Uh, and Chelsea, you are not uh, currently a, a practicing person of faith, even though you grew up in it, correct? Uh, so I'm, I still believe, uh, I still believe in God and I, I believe there is an afterlife. I believe there is heaven. I am not a practicing Christian. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't been to church in probably about 15 years, at least not at, um, like a service. Sure. Um, but I do still consider myself believing that there, that there is something there. So then when it comes to at least like the topic we're talking about, like, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, religious horror movies, basically. What like, what are the appeal uh, to them to you, or, or what is it that's kind of that's kind of like you know uh, that it that it will engage you more than just like a Friday the Thirteenth or a Nightmare on Elm Street? And I, I'm I'm basing that assumption on the fact that you do engage or find more re- more resonance with those than those slasher movies. Before Chelsea answers, I just want to say when she said, "I still believe." As a horror fan, I just flash to that like, oiled up saxophone player in the Lost Boys. And I'm like, I could see Chelsea on stage uh, with the saxophone proclaiming that she still believes and it'd be fucking cool. Hey, after this pandemic, sign me up. Get me a saxophone. Um, you got it. And I'll do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I haven't thought about that before, but I think those do, those have resonated with me um, a little bit more just because, um, something that, uh, Jim, I think you already know, but for the listeners as well, um, I grew up in Alabama in the Bible belt of Alabama. So not only was I in a Christian family, I was in a Christian Bible belt, very conservative, uh, environment. Mm-hmm. And, um, so a lot of like, even watching horror movies and stuff just wasn't, um, it wasn't widely accepted, but to the point, like one example that I gave um, one of my friends a couple of days ago was that uh, at one of the churches that I went to, um, they would do what was called trunk or treat um, oh, yeah. on Christmas, or, yeah, not on, Christmas on Halloween. Um, <laughs> but yeah, trunk or treat, which Jim, I'm sure you're familiar with, but it's uh, it's a parking lot like at the church or maybe the backyard at the church. Um where uh, people have their car, you know, trunks open and there will be like little games or little, you know, stations where you can get candy. Those candies usually have a Bible verse tied to them or, you know, something to that effect. And um, we were going to go one year, uh, but we couldn't because I was dressed as a witch for Halloween and they they wouldn't allow us. Um, They were like no negative uh, costumes and no, no otherworldly costumes. Like if I was dressed as a fairy, it would probably be fine because like cute girl with pink fairy wings or whatever, it'd be fine. Sure. But I like, so when I would be a, a witch for Halloween, when I was a kid, I had my mom paint my face green 
and I had like a hook, <laughs> like the long nose with a mole. And so I did look like that stereotypical green witch. Sure. So there was no hiding that. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that up as an example of like how much they would um, push away anything scary or negative or, you know, dark. So when it came to movies, like um the exorcist i i didn't watch the exorcist until i was in my teens um because it it wasn't that my mom didn't like it or anything she just it it wasn't one that she would revisit often and i had always just heard like different stories about it and there's something about it and other uh horror movies that have religious um aspects to them where they they bring up all the things that very certain uh, religious people really want to push down and ignore and avoid. And that's, you know, sex Mm. and um, well, sex. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what the other. I mean, Um, (laughs) women, women specifically and women kind of engaging with it. Yeah. Specifically women (laughs) Um, push them down. (laughs) And, um, and I think the exorcist does a great job with that, with like, you know, the masturbating scene and like what she does with the cross and everything. It's, it's perverse. It's disgusting. And it's not something and that. And hilarious. And it's hilarious. It is. Let Jesus fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And like the things that, you know, uh, that Linda Blair's, you know, character says, like, these are such horrible things that we don't want to face as you know as a christian or religious society um and it's a little girl saying these things and doing these <laughs> yeah. things she so, told me to keep my fingers away from her goddamn cunt <laughs> <laughs> and so and i mean you can just imagine like tender ears oh my goodness you nope. can't say those things um so there's something i love about those movies that they do have like this relentless um way of bringing those things that uh in christianity well in some regards of christianity and other religions that people want to avoid when it comes to women and when it comes to sex especially so um and honestly i think that may be one of the reasons my mom just didn't really show me the exorcist as a kid because i wouldn't have really understood that stuff I, i i wouldn't have understood um because, I mean, I, I grew up, again, in a conservative area, and, um, it, you know, we didn't have sex education as you should. Our sex education was wait. <laughs> 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 Don't do anything. <laughs> and um, that's it. And um, now we're going to watch Supersize Me for some reason. Um, <laughs> was, my, was my health and sex education class. Okay, sure. Um, Alabama. <laughs> And so, um, so I wouldn't have understood those things anyway, until I was like a preteen teenager where of course, like you hear the whispers amongst your friends and everything. And, um, yeah, so I guess in a nutshell, that's what I really love about when religion is brought into horror movies, because it's just done in this, you know, gutsy way of these are things that you keep ignoring and this is how they can come to a head. And, um, yeah, that's what I like about it. No, that's that's a great point because especially in in the tradition of mainstream evangelical Christianity in America, it's more defined by what they ban and suppress than by what they are supposed to be doing. And so when then you have horror filmmakers who are like, oh, these things you're ignoring, we're gonna 
rip them the fuck open and we're going to dive deep into the exploration. And there is something exploitative and transgressive about horror as a genre where it's like, we're going to rub this in your face, but there's also something that can, where they can explore and kind of like, okay, why is this uncomfortable for you as a society? Let's actually dive deep and explore that. And, and I guess it's important to note that if you are just, if you just tuned into this episode because of the, you know, religious horror films, we are coming at it from a, a Judeo-Christian kind of belief and perspective. And that's not because we are ignoring or, uh, or, or rejecting others. It's just these are the experiences that we are the most familiar with. So I wanted to put that out there, not as though, um, you know, we are, we are trying to be um, disrespectful to anyone. It's just that's also our in America, that's where most of the religious horror yeah. is centered i think uh the possession with jeffrey dean morgan mm. uh i think was like the only uh really jewish horror movie i'd ever seen i would yeah. love to and I've, I've seen like maybe a couple ones from asia mm-hmm. uh that you know i don't really have an understanding or a frame of reference of my own ignorance of sure. their religious practices but i've seen like little bits i would love to get more of that uh, to kind of expand my mind and like, oh, okay, we, because uh, being a child of immigrants, I, I, I've noticed and talking to other children of immigrants, it doesn't matter where the old country is. The old country bullshit is the same regardless. Mm. No, that, that's a, you make a very good point about that, Rick. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the I wanted to see the possession because the, the idea of the Dybbuk box has been such a, fascinating concept to me and so it was like oh they made a movie oh it's not very good oh okay that was one of the that's one of the reasons uh chelsea you mentioned buffy the vampire slayer my favorite show of all time is the x-files which yeah. did occasionally kind of delve into the beliefs and the superstitions of other cultures there's a, an episode from season four called kaddish which deals specifically with the Jewish folklore of the golem. And it's a, it's a fascinating episode. And so that was kind of like, as a kid, like, oh, cool. There are other traditions, other cultures that have other kind of ghost stories. Like, cool, I want to hear more about that sort of stuff. But so, Rick, I, I have a, the same question that I asked to Chelsea, I guess, to you, because I'm, I'm also thinking, like, as a, as a, let's say, devout atheist, I, I have to imagine some of the response to a religious horror film is like, well, this stuff is bullshit. Does that make it more entertaining for you? Or is it more just kind of like a, another way for people to exploit fears? Not so much at the time. Um, let, let, let's get a little deep. Um, <laughs> the first death that I experienced in my life was my paternal grandmother at the age of 10. Uh, we were very close. Uh, she had colon cancer. When she died, she was unrecognizable to my eyes because she was, uh, you know, when she was healthier, let's say she was a robust woman with like darker gray hair. And at the end, she was a fragile skeletal creature uh, with white hair who was kind of frightening, but that didn't stop my little boy self from wanting to climb into her hospital bed and, and, and let her know that I loved her. So, Horror movies, I didn't understand at the time, but it is a safe way to explore death. Now, tie that in with Catholicism and religion. Uh, There was a a priest that started working at my elementary and junior high school named Father Tom Petty, but spelled with a final I. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he was <laughs> younger than the rest of the priests, looking maybe about 35, whereas like every, all the other priests were fucking senior citizens. So then when I went to high school a couple towns over, he started working at that school as well. And we started talking one-on-one because he recognized me previously. And I'd ask him stuff like, hey, Father, you like those uh, uh, religious horror movies? Being a wise ass. And he answered honestly, like, you know, like, yeah, because most of the time we win. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I like that unlike the nuns uh, in my elementary school that was like, this is the way it is. Yeah. This is history. This is fact. There is no argument. So you had kids that then like in third grade when we started teaching science refused to believe in dinosaurs because they weren't in the Bible. Mm. He just looked as like, yeah, Exodus is all fiction. It's just to teach us how <laughs> to act right. So then, you know, I looked at it like, okay, so we can, we can, we can delve in that and we can look at uh, the religion and how there, there is some bullshit in there that it's like, this, this is clearly fucked, but you have the big boogeyman. There, there's, there's no bigger villain than the devil as far as, you know, how I grew up. Yeah. He makes, you know, most of the other villains and the wrestling heels that you know, I grew up with. <laughs> you, you, you can't compare. Uh, so if you can beat the, that guy, you got it covered. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people will put themselves in a harm like what would i do to live through that and sometimes when you're facing you know an undead mass killer it's a lot trickier but you know having gone to catholic school for 12 years kind of like a prison sentence i'm like demons i got this <laughs> no problem bring it on motherfucker <laughs> but but yeah i always like that and also when it's kind of subversive in a way when when, when you subvert religion and, and twist it, I always love that, be it in something like Dracula 2000 or in the comic book Preacher. Mm. Uh, like my bitter former Catholic goes, yeah. Because, again, growing up in the 80s, they were against the horror movies I was watching. They mm-hmm. were against the heavy metal that I was listening to. But they were engaging in rampant pedophilia and hiding it. So anybody in authority that speaks out so hard against one thing, you know they're hiding their own misgivings. If they just like, yeah, go do what you want. You're going to be fine. You got nothing to worry about. (laughs) If, you know, Bill Cosby telling comedians they shouldn't cuss on stage, look at all the shit he was hiding that came to light. So I, that, 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 uh, distrust of authority has only been magnified through the years and i'm glad my mom insisted i go to catholic school because if i didn't i'd be like many of my family members that identify as catholic but do not behave in any way reflecting that they are catholic Uh, some of them are very garbage people that on the outside appear to be nice and and non-threatening but they they can be monstrous within whereas you know like i wear my monster on the outside and people that know me know i'm a big fucking mush <laughs> i can corroborate blowing up my own spot on your podcast but that's okay. <laughs> um yeah no I, I, there's a lot of wisdom there um i 
Well, I'm, I'm an old man. I lived a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the phrase, there, there's no atheists in foxholes, which um, isn't to say that when faced with extreme danger, everyone is like, yep, I believe now. But it's one of the things that I appreciate about horror as a genre is at least the assumption that there, there is, there are people on a right side and people on a wrong side. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre has nothing to do with religion, but we at least know like, yeah, there's wrong here. There is a, a moral code. There are things that are being violated and that need to be overcome. And just kind of that, a. Uh, it's a very simplistic take, but I guess that the reaffirmation that not that it's not all nihilism is something that I mm-hmm. that I can at least um, appreciate. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything else. No, I, I think we can just kind of get into the the specific titles we'll be talking about. And as has been the case in the past on I Do Movies Badly, you can recommend me these titles in any order you particularly want. Most people just kind of go chronologically, but if there's a, you know, if, if it's from most special to you to least special to you, um, that's entirely up to you. But I guess um, uh, Chelsea and or Rick, whoever wants to take the lead on what our first recommendation for me is going to be. Rick, I'll let you go first. Um, for religious horror, Top of the Mountain is the fucking exorcist. Gotta be. In my opinion. Um, because it 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 freaked people the fuck out. <laughs> they have never seen some shit like that. And if you you look at it years later, a lot of choppy edits, hmm. a lot of choppy edits throughout. But it showed you nobody is safe. This the devil could get into this little girl. And in a way, why should religious people? be against this movie because it kind of proves their whole fucking theory that was going to get in you going to fuck you up and the only way you can get out is through religion but it makes people uneasy and i find out years later it's like there's, there's buzzing of insects in the score and it's supposed to make you feel uneasy throughout and then like i think it was the early 2000s, the version you'd never seen before. Oh, where, like, yeah. The extra Pazuzu faces makes you feel even weirder. And like, and, and I love the, the over the top nature and the effects. Like I said, not so much, you know, the, like the, the vomiting of the, the pea soup. That's <laughs> great. But like keeping them in a cold stage so you can see their breath. And you're like, the 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 way the demon says shit of like you know like your mother sucks cocks in hell or like you know but but like again being in Catholic school I'm like I can deal with a demon when you know Father Karras uh, looks at you know Reagan it's like oh you open this drawer and he calls it like do it again and it's like oh that's much too vulgar display of power <laughs> and it's like all right so you if if demons are real. I'd like to say for the record, I don't believe they are. But if they are, <laughs> you know they're full of shit. And if you know they're full of shit, they can't get one over on you. So I've applied that, like I said, to people in authority, like many politicians. <laughs> like, I know you're full of shit. Because that's another thing. You, in, in life, and as we've seen in the, in the political spectrum around us, it's a lot easier to fool somebody than it is to convince them that they've been fooled. 
have uh, Jim, have you watched the Cursed Films documentary series on Shudder? I have indeed, yeah. Yeah, that episode on The Exorcist is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that Linda Blair needed, like, a bodyguard. I didn't realize that there were, like, some religious nuts that, you know, were really believing that she was the devil. <laughs> or, and it made sense to me. Like, when I heard it, I was like, oh, okay. But I was still just very surprised. I was like, God, no wonder she's very cautious about what she wants to talk about. And mm-hmm. I never knew that. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting how how the public received this movie at the time. I think it was, was it Billy Graham that condemned the film saying the devil was literally in the celluloid when this movie came out. And um, it, it's, it's interesting to me because uh, the, the cursed films series on Shutter, if no one has heard about it, is basically it's a, it's a short documentary series about all these horror films, which were allegedly cursed because real life tragedy happened to them. There's the exorcist, the omen, the twilight zone movie. Um, it, it's a very interesting series. Uh, I think, the hypothesis or the takeaway from it is like, yes, there are all these tales, but if we pay attention to these tales over the human tragedy, we've lost something because real life human tragedy did occur. Um, Some of those episodes, it's like, oh, this is a bit of a stretch. And then they save the, 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 the two big ones for the finale. It's like, Oh yeah, shit. I'd love to hear more in depth uh, takes from William Friedkin. And maybe they exist because, this was, you know, certainly not the first movie that he made um, and not even the first one that got him on the map because that's the French connection. But, like, there's a weird kind of arc or parallel because he made this in, he made The Exorcist in 73, and his most recent directorial effort is a documentary called The Devil and Father Morth, which is a real, a real documentary exploring a, a Catholic priest that does do allegedly real-life exorcism. So it's a yeah, thing that he... Watch that. It's not good. i will i will say that um (laughs) the the interesting thing about it is he does talk to some catholic priests who open the door to maybe this is a scientific thing we have not yet discovered or at least that science and faith don't have to be conflicting with each Mm. other um but this is clearly a thing that he believes in and returns to um and so it's it's quite interesting to me especially because it's not a I don't want to say it's not a, a, a an affirming movie. I believe in in many ways it is. I've seen The Exorcist many times. It's one of my favorites. But also, it's not a. This isn't you know. This is one like as as your your uh, your priest friend would have said. Like the good guys, you know, we win in the end. But also, like it's kind of a pyrrhic victory to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Well, well, to, to Catholics, that's good enough. If you can become a martyr, or at least have, as I've been told. It's fine, but like you know, as I got older, and not everybody in my life was Catholic because everybody at school was Catholic, everybody at home was Catholic, uh, except Dad, who never really dissuaded anything. He's just like, eh, eh, yeah, uh, fine, because <laughs> it made my mother happy. And then like you get you you get grown and you learn about mental. It's like, yeah, maybe a lot of those demons were just people who were mentally ill and the people of that time didn't understand it. Like, even if you look back at the Greeks, they didn't believe any of their thoughts were their own. Each of them was put there by one of their many, many gods. And then, you know, conversely, 
I went to St. Francis Prep High School, who became a saint, one of the reasons, like when there was nobody to preach to, he preached to the animals. That sounds like mental illness to me. <laughs> but if I mention that to any of the, the nuns, the priests, or the monks there, I'm literally mocking the myths that define them, and they never like that. <laughs> In fact, they get, they get really pissed off when you find uh, flaws in the story. I believe it was either third grade or fifth grade, and we're, we're covering the Old Testament as it pertains to Catholics. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going through Genesis, Okay, no problem. We got it. And I, and I raised my hand to ask a question as we're covering the story of Cain and Abel. And I'm not one of the best students at this time. Uh, I am a natural wise ass. I don't participate much, but I had a legitimate question. Put my hand up and I asked the teacher, because at the end, Apparently Cain's forgiven for killing his brother. He goes to another village and gets married. Mm -hmm. And I ask where Cain's wife came from. Because we were taught this literally. Yep. This is literally what happened. And, and her first response was, shut up. <laughs> and I said, no. I'm like, we got Adam and Eve, two people. Cain and Abel, four people. Cain kills Abel, three people. Where does Cain's wife come from her second answer was rick do you want to go to the principal's office and i said if the principal knows the answer yes i do <laughs> and she sent me to the principal's office who was an old battle axe named sister marion jude uh, uh who is likely dead now and that's fine and she was very familiar with me and she asked rick why are you here and i said i asked where kane's wife came from and she said, sit down. So I sat on a chair in the office. And after 40 minutes, she sent me back to class. And that's where the seed of my atheism was planted, right there. If you're telling me everything you're telling me is true, even if it defies logic, and I'm being reprimanded for pointing that out, there's bullshit here. I'm reminded of a... Of a the Simpsons episode, I believe, where uh, all these all terrible things are happening to Ned Flanders, and they ultimately have to save the Leftorium mm -hmm. um, in the mall. And he's at the he's at a, a, a pulpit in the church, and he's talking to God. He's like, God, I've I've followed every single passage in the Bible you said, even the ones that contradict the other ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> what are we supposed to to do with that? But um, uh. Getting back to the the Exorcist, I this was I have an early memory of watching this movie on I believe WPIX eleven here in the the New York New Jersey area, and I remember the spider walk scene as she's coming down the stairs backwards and immediately turning off because I couldn't handle it, it was too scary but still the thought in my brain being like go 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 back go back and see what's happening and like that that curiosity that's like okay I'm I'm gonna be a horror kid aren't I. Um, Chelsea, any anything to add on on William Friedkin's The Exorcist? No, I think I think I already when I when I spoke about it earlier, talking about like you know the the sex parts of it, like just um, I think that was really well done and how perverse it was. Um, 
No, I, I, I like The Exorcist. It's not one that I go back and constantly like rewatch, but um, I do love it for what it is. I, I am a sucker for exorcism movies. Um, <laughs> I, so I what's your favorite, if not The Exorcist? One that I think it all comes to Jennifer Carpenter's uh, performance, but The Exorcism of Emily Rose is really good. That's a real good one, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll watch that again. It's, and Jennifer Carpenter did all of the, um, like, the body bending and everything. Right. But, um, so I was, I was debating over which, which movie to recommend here. Because there's one that's really awful, and I know it's awful, say and it. you've probably seen it. Say it. And then the other one is pretty good. I'm I'm gonna say the awful one first because okay, it's awful, but that's not the one I recommend. It's okay, just, so th- this is not the one that I'm watching for the this, podcast one. Okay. No, I really don't want you to. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, unless you want to. Um, bless the child. Oh, that movie. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Yes, it is. Uh, Jim, have you ever seen it? No, I, I vaguely remember hearing it. Uh, Kim, Kim Basinger is in it. Um, Jimmy Smith is in it. Um, and it's about like this child who I guess is the second coming of Christ. I, I, I It's crazy. Why not? And this Satan group. Um, of, <laughs> it's a movie that makes Satanists look awful. Um, <laughs> are, wanting to, <laughs> are wanting to kidnap her and turn her like power uh, for evil. Oh, sure. And um, Kim Basinger is like the only one who can keep this child protected. And uh, it's so stupid. It's a really awful sh- shoehorning, like nail on the head um, religion. It's so bad. And I just feel like I can't talk about religious horror without mentioning that movie. Cause, <laughs> um, because oh. like, I remember the beginning of it, this woman, this, you know, very stereotypical um, woman with like a, like a Haitian accent, I think, was talking about, like, do you see that star in the sky? And she was like, it's the Christmas star, the star from Bethlehem. It hasn't been seen since blah, blah, blah. It must mean something good just happened and the child was born. It's, <laughs> it's all, all I remember about the, and I saw it, I think, in the theater, uh, is, like, the, the guy with the wonky eye trying to convince the kid to like jump off the roof it's like after you and that's all i remember about this oh, yeah. shitty movie it's crazy but anyway um, i i would one 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 thing if i may interject real quick it seems like from this movie but also from society kim basinger deserved better she really did i feel like she signed on for what she thought was going to be a fun religious like psychological thriller and then i don't know if like joel Osteen got a copy of the script and had edits or what but i definitely recommend maybe looking up like the synopsis and maybe watching the trailer to okay. see that it exists Fair. But the movie the religious movie that i was thinking of that's more of a it's more of a thriller but it's still a horror um, Bill Paxton directed it, and yes. it's called Frailty. Oh. Frailty and is the shit. Frailty is this movie where Bill Paxton plays um, a man who has an epiphany or revelation and realizes that he needs to rid the world of sinners or something like that, of certain sinners. And his two sons, one of them is a very devout son and um, follows him and believes in him. And then the other son's like, this is 
no, but it's his father. And it's like this small town, Southern. I can't remember exactly where it takes place. I want to say Texas, but I can't. I want to say Alabama, but just cause. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I, know, um, I, I plan to watch this again because it is a great fucking movie and it's streaming, I think, on Prime. It is on like, Prime, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you also got Powers Booth being yeah. great. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is kind of the the storyteller as like you know one of the grown sons. All right, all right, all right. And and fucking Paxton is another one of those guys that's like you just love him in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just think it does such a great idea of you know there's one thing that I'd like to see more in religious horror movies is the importance of family. Mm-hmm. And um, whether you're really close with that family or whether religion has driven you apart, I feel like that's not always explored as much in religious horror films, maybe in others. But um, I think this movie does a great job of like, you know, if you already idolize your dad and you also believe in this, um, that God came to him and you believe that this is happening, um, but then you're not so sure. And what does that say about your faith? And what does that say about your love for your father? It, it's, I, I like that aspect of it, that it's a religious horror film with that family, um, that patriarchal, you know, and brotherhood aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I recommend. And, and even the idea of how, how it can tear apart a family or even indoctrinate it. I mean, you know, the, those, I'm sure they exist to a certain degree, the Westboro Baptist Church, but we haven't been hearing about them for a while. People who... <laughs> protest military funerals and have the pardon the language the the god hates fags signs and that kind of stuff um and I, I remember watching i think it was a was it a bbc documentary i don't know a little documentary short where a, a, a journalist was following them around and they had these protests with these little kids holding these signs mm-hmm. like that child has no idea what this means but they're doing it because that's like no this is our belief you do this thing yeah it, it, indoctrination you got to get the the young quick and i think one of the reasons why we don't hear about him because like after fred phelps died like some of his kids didn't really have the vigor to keep up his fight because it's it's not working but yeah definitely catholicism for me i can definitely see it it's like no get them while they're fucking young when they're malleable and and that's why i kind of rally against indoctrination wherever i see it be it in conservatism or Star Wars. It's like you can tell they're targeting the kids for this. Otherwise their money goes otherwise their money goes away. I I was baptized at a very young age and I think I had an okay concept of what baptism was. Like I was maybe eight or nine and I I had an I had a child's idea of a baptism. And it's one of those things um where I definitely didn't take it super seriously when it happened. And I think it's because I was a child. And like, I even remember like me and um, the preacher, like we had a bet on if I was going to close my eyes underwater or not. Like (laughs) it it was, it, which that's what I was thinking about when, when he put me in the water, I was like, keep your eyes open. And I don't think I did. And so I lost the bet anyway. Um, but it's one of those things that I thought about later. And I've had this conversation with my mom multiple times is that even though I don't consider myself like, you know, um, a practicing Christian, I, there's still faith that I have. It's just not this same faith that I was, um, 
being told as a child. And again, I was just at, you know, it was a Southern Baptist church. So they were very much like Bible is the word. And um, if I did what Rick did, like questioning anything, I, I probably would have been like paddled or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so it's, it's very interesting when it comes to the kids. I think there's a TED talk or something similar with a woman who used to be part of the Westboro Baptist Church when she was a child mm-hmm. and she left it. If it wasn't the Westboro Baptist Church, then it was something similar where they were picketing and having those um, signs, but she left. So it's very interesting. I can't remember her name, unfortunately, but it, it was someone who as a child was holding those really horrendous signs. Yeah. Um, if I remember frailty correctly, because I have seen it, but it's been, it was college, so it's been a long, long time. If I remember correctly, the film is constructed and the story is told in such a way where, hey, my dad believed that people were, were demons and they had to be killed, but doesn't actually fully explain, like, yes, they were, like, this guy was right or this guy was wrong, but just kind of it's there for the audience to sort of believe one way or another, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they, spoiler for this wonderful movie. Um, they kind of swerve you at the end and that you think you're getting uh, one uh, point a view uh, from the story being told only to like get swerved. And it's like, oh, no, it, it's, it's this thing. It's the other yeah. way around. And, and it is fucking brilliantly done. And now it's making me miss Bill Paxton even yeah. more I normally do on a daily basis. <laughs> Rest in peace. One of the, um, so being home uh, working remotely from the pandemic is having the TV on in the background and just recognizing how some channels have a regular rotation of movies that they just keep going through. So I've seen, you know, Jurassic Park a dozen times, a bunch of the Harry Potter movies a dozen times. And I think it's sci-fi or AMC. One of those channels will occasionally play edge of tomorrow. And Bill Paxton is uh, quite wonderful in that supporting role. And that's just a fantastic movie and everyone should see it um, in general. But um, I'm excited for frailty. This was, one more memory about this is like th- this movie was shown to me by a friend in college who's let's say artistic taste. I didn't fully trust. So I'm like, okay, he recommends this movie. Let's see. And then we sat down and watched. I was like, wow, holy shit. Okay. This is cool. So I- I'm excited to revisit it. So we got one final recommendation left. We're going to get it from Mr. Guzman, Mr. Guzman for me. And for the listeners, your final recommendation for me is I'm only Mr. Guzman. If you're nasty, uh, but it would be <laughs> prophecy. Starring yes. Christopher Walken, oh. and and again to go back to the subversion of religion thing I love. So when this came out, I I, I always have a deep love for Christopher Walken because the way he talks is just very entertaining <laughs> to me. So much to the point that if you've seen the spooky doings improv, whenever I gotta do a psychic i play him as christopher walken um and so for him to be playing the angel gabriel in that movie Mm -hmm. and he's vehemently against humans he calls us talking monkeys he (laughs) wants to uh render us extinct uh again the bitter catholic in me is like this would really piss the nuns off 
it goes against everything they've told me. And you got, you know, great people like Eric Stoltz, Amanda Plummer, uh, Elias Cotez, Virginia Madsen in the movie. And then Viggo Mortensen shows up as the fucking devil. In, <laughs> and, and he's cool in his creepy when he's there, like, you know, like, uh, little Tommy Daggett. When you were a boy, you'd, you'd say your prayers and jump into your bed, scared that I'd be hiding under there. And I was. I'm like, oh, that is so fucking cool. <laughs> that, yeah. that, like, your, your boogeyman is real. It confirmed your, your fucking fear. So I, I, it, it's, when I was working in a video store in the 90s, I'd work on Sunday. So every Easter, I'd do a triple feature in store of The Exorcist, The Omen, and Prophecy. And it would just be really fucking weird and subversive. <laughs> and I don't know how many people would come in and rent and notice what I was doing. Because, you know, they're not staying in for an eight-hour shift of these three movies. Uh, many would come in like at closing time and rent, uh, you know, uh, uh, porno tapes two for the price of three. So, you know, way to celebrate the resurrection of the Redeemer <laughs> with uh, weird titles of uh, that you would hear Randall describe in Clerks. Listen, either way, something was rising again on Easter for those people. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, um, I- I love the prophecy because I feel like it came in that era of like, there's this weird glamorization of stories like that with like the devil's advocate and like in the 90s having these type of blockbuster religious stories um, with like the hot actors of the time. And when I say the hot actors of the time, I don't mean like the it boys and stuff, just like. You know, like having Christopher Walken and um, having Eric Stoltz and Viggo Mortensen was absolutely my favorite part of that movie. But I also love Viggo Mortensen. I remember, I, I saw this on cable a long, long time ago. And one of the memories that stands out in my mind is the devil shows up. I believe it's Virginia Madsen sees him and she says, oh, my God. And his response is, God is love. I don't love you. And <laughs> he says it so menacingly. I was like. Oh my God, Aragorn! What's what have you done? Aragorn, what? <laughs> um, yeah, and the the story of this one is is, is kind of interesting because I mean, w- once again, I you know, hearkening back to early in the conversation when I said as a kid, the the idea behind these wars between angels and demons was something that I was fascinated by. the The background of this movie is there is a war going on between heaven and hell, which is kind of at a stalemate. So they're searching for the soul of a, a deceased war criminal who has been hidden inside a little girl because something to the effect of like humans know how to desecrate and destroy things much better than any other part of creation, which like, yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and to, to look at it like uh, the jealous older sibling, like, you know, like, you know, He's like, he doesn't talk to me anymore, but he gives you these fucking opportunities and all this love and all this attention. And where the fuck am I? I, I, I fought my brothers. I cast them out. Uh, but you also got Christopher Walken being the personable weirdo that he is, like with the kids and his trumpet uh, and, and saying like uh, weird things like, you know, you could be an angel. It's great. You can eat all the ice cream you want. 
<laughs> yeah. or, or, or with the kids and it's like, it's like uh, Sarah like how do you know my name uh, you look like a Sarah <laughs> or uh, and even when like he's bringing his minions back from the dead because he can't drive a car and they're upset they're still alive don't start I hate that <laughs> yeah this this explores an interesting idea that's been explored in, in many movies since and, and maybe before but that idea of if God created these supernatural beings such as angels and demons and that sort of stuff, and also created people, why is there such favor given to people over these angelic creatures? Even, even in um, Aronofsky's Noah, there's an element of that too, of just like, a, hey, why do you like these people so much when we are actually better in every regard? And just how that brings up conflict. And it's like, oh, you're dad's favorite. And like, I fucking hate you for that. Um, it's, it's such an interesting idea, especially when seen through the lens of like, oh, we have this stuff which is outside our comprehension, but we can only comprehend them through our limited mind is such a, a fascinating idea to me. Um, I, I, was, I took a, a single philosophy class in college, so of course I know all about philosophy. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, in my semester in Abitha, no, I didn't spend a semester in Abitha, <laughs> but just... That idea of... You did not study abroad in Barcelona? Barcelona. <laughs> My time in Barcelona. <laughs> um, but just uh, in order to understand God, we have to put God in a, a box of reason because we can't think outside of that box. So that's how we try and comprehend the infinite through a finite mentality is such a is such an interesting idea to me. But... Um, yeah. uh, Maybe that'll be explored in this. Maybe not. It was a movie from 1995, which also didn't realize five movies in the Prophecy franchise. Five. I, I knew of three. I don't think Walken's in more than that. That's probably why. Yeah, there, there's the Prophecy from 95, the Prophecy 2 from 98, the no, Prophecy... No, Jennifer Beals. <laughs> the Prophecy 3, The Ascent from 2000, and then... I don't know, I, maybe these aren't related, but there's from 2005, there's the Prophecy Uprising and the Prophecy Forsaken. Um, that, that was a weird thing, and it seems to have gone on much longer than I knew of, uh, because I wasn't working in the video store anymore by this time. But Dimension would just get a hit and then just do straight to sequels out the ass. Yeah. So it's like, you... I don't know if anybody knows how many Children of the Corn films are out there. <laughs> I know of at least six. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, if Dimension could just keep cranking them out, they would. They, they didn't even have to be that successful of a franchise. There are more Puppet Master movies than you would, uh, than yeah. you would believe. Very and true. that wasn't a, a movie series that was particularly loved. And this is probably a different conversation for a different day. Um, I dislike most of the Hellraiser movies, and yet there are what ten of those, I believe. So quite quite too many. That's <laughs> a lot of straight to video. Like, yeah, I think I think too. that was another dimension property for a mm -hmm. while. Yeah, I Maybe think you're starting right. Starting with like it was the like the same one. story every single time too. So I was just like, are you just kidding? Yeah, it, it was basically a a person. <laughs> yeah, a person walking down the street. Hey, here's a puzzle box that I probably shouldn't play with. Plays with it. Oh yeah, uh, Cenobites show up. They they are doomed for eternity, and you know 
rinse, repeat, basically kind of a thing. But. With Hellraiser, I also stopped at three. No, that's fair, because the first one I like a lot. The second one is okay, and then it's a precipitous downfall in terms of quality, I believe. But As it happens. Yeah. yeah. But, um, okay, so as a, as a recap, we've got The Exorcist, we've got Frailty, and we've got The Prophecy. Um, I'm excited, because these are all, like, they're all dealing with different kind of aspects of, you know, uh, this Judeo-Christian um, religion as well, and, and how we interact with it as people, which I find um, quite fascinating. So, um, also, uh, Gregory Wyden, who is the writer-director of The Prophecy, also responsible for the uh, the Highlander franchise of movies, if you are. Um, another, another dimension property that went on for a while. <laughs> I, I don't understand how Christopher Lambert ever had a career. Um, that, that, that man is the opposite of charisma. And I don't understand how you get Sean Connery, a Scotsman, to play a Spaniard, and he can't say via. <laughs> Hollywood, you know? And then in the yeah. second one, guess what? They're all aliens. Okay. Wait, really? Was that the explanation? Yeah. It's like, there can be only one, but we made money. So uh, sure. they're aliens. So there's more, but there can still be only one. And then there's the TV series, which I don't know much about. I'm sure my, my lady could go in-depth about all of the Highlanders and its Highlandiness. And I mean, as much as I love dudes and Celts, uh, especially, you have a line? especially as the, if they wear them like proper Scotsmen. Sure. Then you know, but still, aliens. I don't know how I feel about them in kilts. Because what's a Scotsman wear under his kilt? Nothing. His shoes. Badumch. And that's why he co-runs an improv group. Lady, I need. To be, <laughs> I need to be funnier. So, um, Rick and Chelsea, thanks uh, so much for stopping by and joining me on this uh, discussion. If people have listened to this, and be like, you know what? I like them. They sound interesting. I want to listen to their podcast. I want to learn more about them. Where can they do that? Uh, you can go to uh, iTunes and the Podbean or Spooky Doings and you get our podcast. Uh, please, you know, review us, uh, subscribe, give us that five-star boop, write something, because that's nice. That's helpful. You sure. check out Spooky Doings on Instagram for information about new episodes. I give a little hint on the Thursday before we drop an episode, which is every other week about what the topic's going to be about. And then Saturday you'll get that because, you know, a lot of podcasts come down during the week and I guess that helps for your commute, but now many of us don't have it. So if you want to spend your weekend listening to, to some funny horror talk, it's right there on, on, on your Saturday. You can, young people can make an avocado toast and, and listen to funny things and you can go to spooky doings improv on facebook uh eventually we'll do improv shows but right now there's, there's more podcast information there and and uh my own funny bullshit that i come up with from time to time avocado toast <laughs> that's what the young people do right i don't make avocado toast well i mean i i literally eat like a fucking college kid since quarantine has started honestly I'm not doing well. <laughs> so ramen. I myself to eat fruit. Ramen and Oreos is what I'm hearing, and Mountain Dew. No uh, Mountain Dew. I don't drink soda. Okay, good. Good for you. 
You'll live longer that way. Um, Great. No. <laughs> Maybe I'll start now. <laughs> you know, I I never considered it like that, but now, <laughs> right. now I got a lot of Pepsi over here, Chelsea. <laughs> I'm just gonna crack open a cold one, <laughs> Pepsi. <laughs> um, of course, it is always easy to get in touch with me. You can email me at you do movies badly at gmail dot com. Um, you can also find I Do Movies Badly on Podbean or on Battleship Retention or on pretty much any avenue you can get podcasts. Um, and you can also uh, find me on Facebook as well. I'm going to uh, echo Rick and say, give me a, give me a rating on the iTunes because uh, I haven't encouraged people to do that in a while. I haven't looked in a while. I believe my last rating was from like 2015, 16. So maybe, uh, maybe refresh, refresh that for me. And um, I believe... This will be going up before um, I will be a guest on the Spooky Doings podcast um, talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992. That was quite a, a fun conversation we had. And um, yeah, so keep an eye out for the Spooky Doings feed whenever that is coming out because it's, uh, it's going to make your life better. I think I should it's I safe agree. to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's an enlightening discussion. And all you're going to want to do is rewatch Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is never a bad decision. Yeah. And um, I'll leave off with this teaser. If you are wondering between Quincy, Dr. Seward, and Lord Holmwood, which of them would Chelsea marry, which of them would Chelsea kill, and which of them would Chelsea uh, fornicate with? You'll find out. You'll find out yeah. the answer to that. <laughs> and also, the bets now. No. <laughs> and maybe surprisingly, we're all unanimous in the decision that she yeah, comes spoiler to. Spoiler alert, I would, do, I would make the same choices. <laughs> yes, as... As would I. So, um, yeah, Rick and Chelsea, once again, thank you for joining. This was um, this was a, a ton of fun. So I loved um, this. Yeah, this was yeah. great. So, listeners, thank be you. sure. Yeah, thank you, Rick. Um, listeners, be sure to tune in next week where I will be reviewing The Exorcist, and where hopefully I'll be just a little bit less ignorant. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.